Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today joined by a very special guest, Candice Amori. Candice is at OnDeck, and she is running the Climate Tech Fellowship. Candice, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. So, so uh, Candice, we, we've just launched, uh, just announced the, the Climate Tech Fellowship. What, why don't you give us, by way of background, uh, who are you and, and how did you get here? Yeah, so my background is in business and policy. I worked in Southeast Asia in social impact businesses for a few years, and I came back to the States, worked in tech. I was the first employee of a VR startup. And then while I was doing that, I got super interested in the ethics of AI, and I actually planned to do a statistics PhD. And during my first semester of the master's, the IPCC report came out. And the IPCC report is the Intergovernmental uh, Panel on Climate Change put out by the UN. And that report completely shifted things for me. So the TLDR of the report, or the things that I took away from it, was that the world has already witnessed about one degree Celsius of temperature rise, and it's on track to hit 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2030, um, because we'll exhaust the carbon budget uh, budget by then. And that's nerve wracking, because <laughs> if we go beyond 1.5 degrees to just another half a degree more at two degrees, it's literally a world apart in terms of impact. So in terms of species and fisheries loss, in terms of extreme heat, those double with a half a degree more increase in warming. And some of the worst case scenarios were saying that we could hit six degrees. And so reading that report and, and being in my, in my academic uh, bubble, I decided that I wanted to, to leave after the master's, focus on climate. And I knew I needed to be in the climate space. And I also wanted to bring everyone who's talented and interested along with me. Um, and so I actually wanted to start something kind of similar to On Deck that would do that, get more people into climate, help them transition. And then you texted asking if I wanted to join. And I just, I knew on deck had too many unfair advantages in terms of what we could offer fellows and, and do for the space at large. So it was an easy yes. Is there, is there anything that gives you, uh, gives us hope that we'll be okay? <laughs> yes. Okay. So we've had record numbers and magnitudes of wildfires and hurricanes in the U.S. this year, but there is actually, there's a lot of hope. So a new article in Nature says that marine life in the world's oceans could recover to healthy levels in the next 30 years, but if asterisks, decisive and urgent action is taken. So, so there's always an asterisk to this. Um, Bentley, which I think is, this, this just like tickles me. Bentley will be entirely electric in four years from now. And I think of Bentley as this like old stuffy English company, but, but they're also riding this wave. And so the point is, we, we need to make decisive action, but also that the planet is as resilient as we are as humans and probably more resilient. Um, and the, the future will be different in ways that we can't imagine or predict, but I strongly believe that there's always hope. Love it. Let's get into the, the climate tech uh, program. And just, just to zoom out, what is the scope of, of climate tech? Uh, how do you uh, map it out? Yeah, well, so I describe it as the paramount industry of our times. It's essentially tackling biggest challenges that assail our, our planet. And at a high level, a climate tech business accelerates the transition to a more sustainable economy. And if we, we double click into that, a 2018 article from the Stanford Social Innovation Review 
would break it up into five main categories. So there's renewable energy, there's zero emission transportation, there's reducing the impact of buildings and infrastructure, there's sustainable ag and forestry, then there's decarbonizing industrial processes. And then the last one that I would add is analytics and behavior change. So, so a climate tech company can fall in any of those categories. It's, it's fairly wide ranging, but at the end of the day, it, it makes our economy more sustainable. And how do we differentiate that from, from, from clean tech? Great question. So clean tech uh, was a term that was mostly used in the early 2000s. So clean tech 1.0 um, is, is, was like this wave that happened. Um, and it was more focused on efficiency. And there was a big bust there. So, so a lot of the companies were banking on legislation that just never passed. Um, there was also, it was probably overcapitalized because it was in the early 2000.com boom where, or yeah, .com bust where investors had raised all this money, but they didn't have anywhere to put it. So they thought, let's, let's go into the energy space. We could probably make a lot of money. But they ended up putting it into companies that weren't at a commercially scalable place. Or these companies were up against huge incumbent players that they just couldn't compete against. So the reason why LED, LED lights ended up uh, crashing in price was not because of startups. It was because of large manufacturers. The way that it differs from climate tech is that clean tech is more focused on efficiency. Climate tech is more focused on essentially addressing this monumental challenge that we have ahead of us that gets harder to solve every day we wait. And today, some of the trends are that we do have more money coming in. So that's that's something that's similar to clean tech 1.0, but it's it's slightly different magnitude and of a, of a different type. So Amazon, if you just take one company, Amazon has a $10 billion climate fund. It has a $2 billion climate pledge fund, and then it has smaller funds within the company that touch climate tech. Um, and then if you look at VC money, in 2013, it was $140 million that was invested in climate tech companies. Last year, it was $16 billion. So if you do the math, that's a 40 times increase in six years. And it's by far the fastest rate of growth um, over any other sector, but it's actually still only 6% of total VC investment. The rate of increase is there. Um, but it's still not that huge of a slice of the pie. But we do have interesting players coming in. So Chris Saka, Clay Dumas, the rest of Lower Carbon Investment, they they really took their time to learn the science. And uh, they have a director of science, Clea Colster, who will be part of the program. And they're realizing that they have to get smarter to make an impact in this space. So, so again, they're taking more time, even if they are raising more money. Um, the other differences are technological uh, technological advancement, is continuing so the companies today are very different than they were a decade ago. Um, we have lessons learned from Clean Tech 1.0. And then uh, the last thing that I'm super excited about is all of this new energy uh, and, and folks who are company builders and skilled folks from other industries who know that they want to commit themselves to working in the climate world. And, uh, and I'm just super excited about all those folks getting together with climate scientists and technologists and Clean, clean Tech 1.0 folks who have who have been through this to create new companies uh, and fund them and more quickly get them to scale. What do you think are the biggest lessons from, from the clean tech sort of, you know, early 2000s bust? What did people not fully appreciate or, or what sort of happened there and, and what lessons can we learn from, from this new wave? Great question. So one big one is don't rely on policy. Um, I think with, with the election results, we have some hope that things will change, but we can't create companies hoping that, or, or banking on some policy change to make it to make the business model work, and that was something that that happened back then. 
like I mentioned, I think for VCs and, and the money folks to actually educate themselves and, and not that, that they didn't entirely in cleantech 1.0, but it seems like people now are, are taking their time to get into the space and understand that it's, it's a science heavy space. It's a regulation heavy space. It has a lot of complexities to it and you can't just dump money into companies because they, they sound sexy or, or the space sounds sexy. You really have to understand uh, the technology behind it. You know, we're going to have a bunch of uh, founders and, and aspiring founders and, and company builders, even, even as operators and, and joiners in, in the program. What's different about building a climate tech company uh, versus, versus a general company? How, how are the needs different? Uh, how, how should we think about that? Mm-hmm. So the needs are, are very different. And, and it's probably similar in some ways to healthcare, where you have all these different players. Um, and really, it's a complex system. So you need all these different actors sitting at the table to be able to even diagnose the problem, let alone build a solution. So we need folks that understand the regulatory framework, um, who can help with investment, who can help with the business landscape and the model, who can understand the science. Yeah, so so regulation here, policy plays a huge role. Um, you need to understand the regulatory framework that you're playing in, whether it's in water or carbon removal, um, or if you're applying for grant money or selling into government. Super important to understand that framework. And then the other piece is investment is really different here. Um, and one of one of my favorite ironies of our economy is that we need patient capital to deal with some of the most urgent of our problems like climate change. And so a great place that climate tech companies can go to for, for undiluted sources of money are grants and government. And uh, Sedale from Open Grants is gonna be in the program helping fellows do that. Uh, we also have catalytic money and patient capital, uh, which is just, yeah, patient capital. And Prime Coalition is a fund that that does a great job there. Another piece of the investment framework for climate tech that's different is project finance. And it's especially when building infrastructure, um, it's just the better investment route to go. And Jigershav Generate Capital is speaking to that as well for the fellowship. And then the last piece is VC money. Um, and, and for a lot of climate tech companies, VC money is, is, uh, is one piece of the, the full portfolio. And again, thinking about patients, um, I think VCs recognize today that they have to extend their investment horizons to 10 or 12 years needed for some of these ideas to pay off. And Breakthrough Ventures really, I think, pioneered that in some ways, and, and they're doing that in a great way. Um, USV just announced their climate tech fund. Albert <laughs> is talking to us about that. So yeah, th- those are the pieces of investment. The other big pieces are, are just that it's, it's really interesting, because if you're in the climate tech space, you might assume that some of the biggest barriers are actually related to the tech. But in truth, uh, the market dynamics within, within which these sort of technologies have to compete is generally the bigger issue when it tum- comes to scaling and building a climate tech company. So there's something that's called death by pilot, where a lot of companies can get a pilot. They'll partner up with a the company. Um, they'll get a pilot to the door. They'll have sort of a project. But even if that project is successful in theory, there's a big gap between having a successful pilot and then building a successful company. And a lot of companies just die in that gap, um, the value of death. death. And and so, yeah, solving the distribution problem, getting the business model right is is actually a really underrated, very hard part of being a climate tech company. And the, the last piece, just to summarize basically all of this, is that you need different sorts of experts to be in the space to work together. So we need policy folks, uh, economists, scientists, academics, software engineers, hardware engineers, literally everyone can play a role um, and it affects all of us. So it's, yeah, it's just such a complicated problem. No one can fit it all in their head. And, uh, and 
the goal is to get all these people in the same room. Love it. Can you give a just mini sort of overview of like, what are even the types of com- uh, of climate tech companies uh, out there? Um, like what, what's being started? What's happening? What are sort of the different buckets of, of how you sort of categorize or map the world? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So, so the way that I see it, and a lot of the, the most exciting companies that I see um, are in carbon removal. It's part of the IPCC report said that we can't actually meet or, or stay at 1.5 degrees Celsius without removing some carbon from the atmosphere. So carbon removal is used to be a nice to have, and now it's a, it's a must have, essentially. Um, and these models tend to be really right historically. So, so we should trust that. A lot of interesting stuff happening with carbon removal. Carbon 180 um, is an organization that helps entrepreneurs start companies in that space. Opus 12 is a, is a company started by Itasha Cave that went, she went through ODF and now she's going through on deck climate. So that space definitely look out for. The other space that I find really interesting is, and just given my background, is the, the ML and AI space. So there's a company called Climate Robotics um, and Jason, his founder, is also going to be a part of it. The focus there is how do you, how do you use AI and all the advances there to not only map what's happening in climate. So it's, it's nice to map weather changes and sort of long-term, have long-term projections on sea rise if you're trying to build a, a house in Florida. But I think the more interesting places where ML and AI, where I get excited is in the solution space. So in climate robotics, they're using ML to help and, and hardware, of course, robotics to, to essentially, it's a biochar company where they, they help farmers get biochar onto their farms and store carbon um, in, a, in a much more efficient way than fertilizer, and it can replace that. So those are just two spaces that I really find interesting. And I, actually, one last is regenerative, regenerative agriculture. Um, I think that's also a fascinating space. How, how about energy more broadly? Hmm. So I think, it is, I think it's very interesting. I personally don't have as much of a background there, but um, we'll have Todd Allen, who's a, a nuclear scientist and does a lot of work there, coming in because a lot of folks have interest in nuclear. It, it seems to be less hazardous than, than, the, than we would assume um, or that we've sort of, than we've heard of. So fission exists right now in the nuclear space and that is when you split atoms, but fusion doesn't exist. And that's when you, when, when you slam two atoms together. And it would be fantastic if that was a breakthrough and Breakthrough Ventures actually has, has banked on it. But energy, yeah. The other thing that's interesting about energy that I find interesting is that Solar and wind and, and the prices of these things has dropped so drastically over the years that literally if we scaled clean energy, I, I wish I had a citation for this, but if we scaled clean energy and it's just like a business problem at this point, we would get to carbon net zero, I think like pretty quickly. So that's not even a technical challenge. It's more of a business challenge. I've learned a little bit about uh, like Dragon Ball Z, Super Saiyan energy. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm talking about? No idea. <laughs> okay, awesome. Okay, let, but, but, but so Eric, one, one thing that I can say is that no one can be an expert in every part of climate. So even the climate scientists that we bring in are going to be very narrowly focused. Um, and the point is to, to get a community um, together where they're all experts in their own things. And, and I will serve as sort of the community builder to help them make those relationships. But but yeah, everyone will will learn from each other in this in this program. That's a great segue. Let's talk more about the the, the fellowship. Uh, how might this fellowship be different than 
than other on-deck fellowships or, or what can people expect uh, in terms of who will be in it and, and what the program will be like? Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that I think that I always tell people when I first bring up the, the climate tech fellowship is that on deck has been expanding into different sorts of fellowships. So we have the writers, we have BC, we have on deck scale, um, all these new, these new fellowships, but climate is the first industry that we're doing. And part of the reason why we're doing that, which I think is, which I'm super excited about is that on deck's mission is to, or one of the on deck's missions is to increase economic growth on the internet. And climate change is one of, if not the biggest risk to the long-term success of the startup ecosystem and just the, the world at large. And so we've decided to make mitigating this risk corridor mission. And that's part of why we're doing this first. And then the second thing is that the climate tech ecosystem needs what OnDeck can offer. So climate tech is as complex as it is critical. The combination of deep climate science that, that you need to know, the overwhelming regulatory landscape, the funding landscape, all of it is super hard to navigate. And, and what we do well is really help experts across different fields build these deep interpersonal relationships and build community, which is, I think, exactly the sort of thing that the climate tech world needs. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, talking to somebody in the longevity space, and she was saying that there is no sort of like definitive content around how to build a longevity company. It's, it's also like sort of if you're a younger founder just getting out of college, it's sort of hard to know, you know where, where to start. And I feel similarly like climate has its own sort of playbooks because of all all the complexity that we will you know be, be helping create and 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 contribute to, and 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 to that end you know obviously any number of people could could start climate climate tech companies but what have the archetypes tended to been historically in terms of uh, what, what the founding teams have looked like? The founding teams generally should have a mix of a few different people. So one is is generally you probably need a climate scientist. If it's a deep climate company, you need someone who's a climate scientist or researcher who has that, that depth of knowledge and wants to start a company. And, and maybe they're spinning off their PhD project um, into, into a company, right? And Activate Fellowship actually does an amazing job of this where they have, they have that, that type of person come in and they give them two years of funding um, and, and they build their companies. And a lot of those founders aren't in the same community or network as business folks who can help them commercialize the technology. And so, so they want to send their fellows to on deck climate because we'll have some of those, those like commercializers and builders. So that's kind of, that's the other counterpart. So you have climate scientists and then you have the builders, <laughs> the, the people who have maybe started a company before and sold it. Jason Jacobs is, is a great archetype of that. He um, sold, built and sold Runkeeper. And then after that decided that he wanted to go full time on climate and started this podcast and this community. Um, and he hasn't, you know, he started the community, but he's more of an investor now. But but that sort of person who has startup experience is is generally the card, the counterpart to the scientists. Um, and then if it's a software solution, if it's hardware, you obviously need those engineers and, and they can be founders. But to me, those are the two main people that you need. So, so talk, talk more about the types of people that, you know, people are sure listening in is wondering, am I a potential fit for, 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 for the program? Talk about what, what uh, the different groups of people will, will have in and whether people should know whether they're a fit or not. Yeah, I think anyone who wants to start, join, or otherwise support with climate tech startups, th this is a space for you. So in my head, if every incredibly talented and giving kind person with a different expertise in the climate space um, was in this, was in a room, that would be what this fellowship would be like. So we already talked about like the two, the two types of people that will form the core of the fellowship. So those are uh, the successful entrepreneurs, the engineers, the business leaders who can commercialize, 
They can also be former consultants, bankers, folks at larger companies. And, and they just have to have made a commitment to themselves that they are transitioning into climate tech. This is the one industry that they are committed to. They're going all in. And there's tons of pent up interest here. So a friend of a friend is a VC who left just to explore how to get into climate tech without even a job lined up, just, just to explore it because they were so uh, committed to it. And so, like you said, there, there's no obvious path today for people to enter the climate tech space, not only to start a company, but just, you know, there's no law school or med school for this. Um, so in terms of interest, uh, there's a lot of folks who, who want to transition. And there's this, this organization called Work on Climate that Cash Gia started. She's a former Google engineer. And she just wanted to work on climate, left, started this organization. And now hundreds, if not thousands of people are involved there trying to get into climate. So that's, that's yeah, that's one piece, just helping people transition, essentially saying if you have a background in, you know, if you're an electrical engineer, you you might be suitable to be a part of the circular economy of recyclables. And, and like, given your background, here's where you might play a part in the climate tech space and, and really making it easy for people to see that and then make that transition. The other, the other big core, again, is the climate scientists and researchers. Um, but besides that, we need different sorts of people to support the building of, of these companies. So we need policy wonks who can understand the regulatory framework. Uh, we need investors who can talk about the finance side. Um, corporate folks is actually a really, really big need in this space because uh, a lot of climate tech companies will partner with these companies and, and big corporates will be their first customers. So Amazon, for example, is looking for any startup that can help them make their supply chain more sustainable. And it's great to have potentially Amazon come in, right, and and talk to these startups and maybe partner with them. And that's that's a great sort of synergy. Um, so so in this category of people, in terms of who's going to be part of the fellowship, we we have Sierra Peterson, and she has a mix of policy and, and venture. She's raise, raising a fund. Tommy Leap, an angel, he writes The Breeze, a, a great newsletter. Aaron Bell is he does climate AI at Google, and he's just really excited to be helpful to the, the general ecosystem. And the last piece I want to say and, and really hit home on here is that OnDeck, as, as, a, as a larger community, is really good at filtering for people who are giving. There's a spirit of giving. And so we're not going to we're going to stack the fellowship not only with the most talented folks, but also the ones who want to give back and are committed to the larger mission of solving our climate crisis as quickly and as well as we can, regardless of who gets credit. That's uh, that, that's that's well said. <laughs> Uh, can, can you talk about the, um, just give people more of a vision for what they can expect to, to get out of the program or, w- or what the week to week might look like? Yes. So the, the main thing that, that we really provide is a community. And I, I think if you think about how, how do people become successful, it's generally because they have an amazing or amazing support structures around them. And it's very hard to build that. And especially right now during COVID, um, it's, it's even harder. And in the climate space, it's, it's such an emotional space where individuals need to band together and support each other. And it's, again, such a complex space uh, for so many reasons that it's really hard to have a community of people across the landscape um, to give you a leg up. And so really, we're engineering spontaneity. We are getting this community of people together for randomness, for fruitful collisions, for serendipity. And that's, that's how movements and businesses get started. And so, so it's, it's really the community aspect. And there are so many amazing communities in the climate space um, and so many amazing accelerators, especially. So there's Third Derivative, CLI, uh, Elemental. 
MXV tech stars. I can go on my climate journey. Uh, that's that's really where I got started, and um, and they're doing great work. And and I think something like on deck and the way that I've approached it is by going out and talking to to everyone who is in this space. And everyone's doing something slightly different. Um, they're focusing on a different stage of startups, focusing on maybe more of the science science crew, or the entrepreneurial crew, or just on carbon removal or just on energy, whatever it is. And, um, you know, we basically say, like, if someone is too early for Elemental, <laughs> then then let them know that On Deck is here for them. Um, and even if they're part of Elemental, then then they can do both programs at the same time. So it's really, it's a space for for everyone to come together. And then in terms of the, the week to week, the way that it's formatted right now is, and for this first cohort, is it's 10 weeks. Um, it'll be 100 to 150 super interesting and diverse people in the space. And fellows can expect to spend probably two to five hours a week to truly get value out of it. And really, <laughs> the thing that I really want to do is just bring quality folks in and provide a, a programming layer on top of it. And everyone in the group is going to be an expert. Everyone will be able to give a talk on their field. They'll be able to lead a discussion, um, whether it's you know, trends in general in climate tech or a specific functional depth that they have, again, like around biochar. Um, I imagine that we'll have a lot of fellows who will be giving office hours with their peer fellows, um, helping them with, with whatever they're an expert in and then gaining expertise in, in whatever the other person is an expert in. We'll have peer-to-peer mastermind groups for accountability and support within the cohort. So structured programming around, you know, I really want to learn more about carbon removal. Here are 10 other people who are committed to doing this with me. Uh, on deck will we'll help with the structure, but, but it'll be your own individual group with the cohort. We'll have pitch and idea feedback, um, and we can bring in outside VCs, but we also have some some investment folks in the actual group. And then as we bring outside folks as well, we'll do climate tech fundamentals. We'll bring in folks for, for tech fundamentals. We'll have fireside chats, um, small group breakouts, discussions with some of the best climate tech entrepreneurs, VCs, and scientists. Um, a lot of social mixers, again, both both with outside folks and especially within the group. And then two other things that I'm very excited about. So one is a climate hackathon or build weekend where we'll have special corporate guests and partners come and partner with us. And uh, that'll just be a really fun condensed weekend to, to build something interesting or, or get an idea off the ground with a group of people in the cohort. And then piggybacking off of that, the, the need for corporate partners, we're going to have exclusive access to certain projects from NGOs, from large companies, um, from even startups in the space. And, and those those um, ad hoc sorts of relationships can become long term partners, and that's that's what I'm hoping for. Okay, Candice, you, you talked about the uh, the program uh, and what people can expect for the first cohort. Talk a little bit about the the, the long term mission or, or just the, the purpose of it, or, or, or where you see it going. Absolutely. So so there are a couple of ways that we can measure success for the fellows themselves and for the program. Um, the one is we can measure, you know, impact of the companies coming out of it. Maybe there's there's a measurement around carbon mitigated. Uh, you know, we can we can raise investment in the space and and just how the space increases in general. I think the more exciting measurement for me is is the number of people that come out of the program saying this changed my life for different reasons. Maybe they found a co-founder. Maybe they found the confidence to do things that they thought they weren't capable of. Maybe they found hope in the climate space and and feel really good about the direction that they're going in. And I think the, the larger mission is just to be a magnet for world-class builders and researchers in the climate space and ultimately a force multiplier that helps to accelerate the creation of companies making a positive climate impact. 
So I want everyone to to really know that they they can do something big. Um, it is e easy to go, get overwhelmed when you're thinking about climate, but it's it's even better to get involved. And and yeah, I think just recognizing that the first step is is taking action and, and letting any fear that you have around it be actually a motivator and opportunity to, to leverage your skills, your ingenuity, to develop scale solutions that can help fix it, and to do that within a community of, of folks that are hoping to do the same. Candace, thanks so much for, for coming to the podcast. We, we've, this is, we're releasing this just as we've launched. Uh, we're, we're now on Product Hunt. You can find us and upvote us, and you can find us on uh, beyonddeck.com. Candace, uh, thanks so much for coming to the podcast. Absolutely. This was fun. Thanks, Eric. you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.